0: Romans chapter 12, we're going to be looking at verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Now this verse is a good chance for me to remind you that as we talk about the 10 Commandments of love from Romans 12, we are particularly focusing on our relationships with one another. These are not primarily about our relationships with God, although they're applicable. But when we think about the idea of being devoted, we normally think about being devoted to the Lord. That is of first importance, of course. But here in this passage, we're thinking about our relationships with one another. Marriage relationships, parent-child relationships, friendships, relationships at school, at work, in the neighborhood, with extended families. And God is giving us instructions that will allow all of those relationships to be a blessing to us and to others. And in the midst of that context of thinking about our relationships with each other, God says, be devoted to one another in love. Meaning, honor one another above yourselves. In other words, being devoted to one another in love means putting others' interests above our own. It's the idea of loyalty. It's the idea of faithfulness. It's the idea of thinking of another person and what they need above ourselves and what we need. The opposite, just like the opposite of sincerity was hypocrisy, the opposite of devoted is selfish. It's the idea of betrayal, disloyal, Being devoted to one another means honor one another above yourselves. Think of others' interests before your own. Now, what does this look like in real life? Well, what I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to share a story, a real life story with you that allows us to kind of work through this idea of being devoted to one another. For this story, it comes out of the Old Testament. Some of you may be reading in the books of 1st and 2nd Samuel. That was a possible assignment that I gave a couple of weeks ago about getting into God's word. If you're not, I just encourage you at some point later today or this week, to read the story we're going to look at this morning. It comes out of 2 Samuel 15 and the following chapters. And it's a great opportunity to see what being devoted or not being devoted to one another looks like. Now, in order to take this real story from the Old Testament... And kind of make it more vivid to us. I've asked seven friends if they will come and help me with this illustration. So guys, if you would come on up here. We're going to work through this story. And these men will represent characters in the story. And that's going to help us kind of keep our place In the story, and sort of remember who's who, but while they're coming up here and lining up, you also need to help in the sense that we together are a character in the story as well. We are King David, okay? So you're ruling over the kingdom of Israel, and things are going quite well in Israel, but you and I, we're David. And as we go through this story, there are seven different people that you are going to interact with in the story. Now some of you may already know some of these characters from reading the story. Some of you may not know them. That's fine. What I want to do this morning is I want us to take each of the characters and I'm going to talk us through a little of what we know about that character and then I'm going to ask you whether or not you think that person will be, or was, devoted to you. So on your sheet you have a chance if you want to kind of mark down how this is gonna go. You can shout it out loud if you want. You may choose not to do that because some of these are tricky, and so the goal is not to try to trick anybody. So if you just want to kind of answer silently in your head, We're going to ask the question, were each of these devoted to you? Were they loyal to you? Did they honor you? Did they put your interests above their own interests? And then these seven characters are going to give us the opportunity to think through what causes someone to act in an unselfish way, what causes one person to be a friend to be devoted, to be loyal, to be faithful to another. All right, you with me? We're gonna start with our first character who is Absalom. Absalom, come on forward. This is Absalom, and he is your son. So remember, you're David. This is Absalom. He is described in the Bible as inordinately handsome. So clearly, (laughs) we chose Ritz for this for obvious reasons. He also has long flowing hair in the Bible. So yes, it's a one-to-one correspondence as you can see. But what you need to know about Absalom is that we are told in the Bible that not only is he your son, we're also told just a very interesting little snippet in the story, which is Absalom has no sons of his own. And so in order to have his name carried on, he builds a monument to himself, and he names it Absalom's Monument. So question, do you think that Absalom will be devoted to you, David? You are correct, he is not devoted to you. So Absalom, if you'd come stand over here in the sort of not- devoted category. You're right, Absalom cannot bear with the fact that you're king and he's not, and so he spends four years sort of outside the gates of Jerusalem, winning the people's hearts to himself, fomenting and ultimately leading a revolt against your kingship. This is your son who does that. That's Absalom. Second character, is Ahithophel. Come on up here, Ahithophel. Ahithophel is your advisor. What we know about Ahithophel is that you are married, one of your wives, to his granddaughter Bathsheba. Ahithophel is also described as the smartest man in the kingdom. He is by far and away the most intelligent, the most uh, wise person. In fact, it's said that when you went and asked Ahithophel for advice, it was like asking God for advice. That's how smart Ahithophel is. Now, do you think that Ahithophel will be loyal Faithful, Devoted. Will he treat you in your best interest or will he act in his own best interest? Yes. Yes. Turns out that Ahithophel is not devoted to you. Ahithophel, go and join Absalom. Ahithophel sides with Absalom in the revolt and he turns against you. He's been your advisor for many years. But it turns out that the smart thing to do is to side with Absalom. Absalom's younger. Absalom's stronger. And Absalom has indeed won the hearts of the kingdom. They're on his side. And so the wise, intelligent, smart thing to do is throw your lot in with a future winner. And so that's what Ahithophel does. Now... Before we go on to anybody else, this is a chance to sort of address what might potentially be a question. The question is, OK, we've been asking, are Absalom and Ahithophel devoted to you? Are they putting your interests above their own? But you might be saying, well, maybe Ahithophel is not devoted to David, but maybe he's devoted to Absalom. Maybe the idea here is is that yes, he's not acting in your best interests. But he's now acting in Absalom's best interest. That's a good question. Thank you for asking it. (laughs) Turns out, the very first piece of advice that Ahithophel gives to Absalom is he tells Absalom to sleep with all of your concubines in plain sight of all of Israel. Now, why would he do this? Well... It's not in Absalom's best interest because it's a clear violation of the seventh commandment that God gave to Israel and any godly Israelite is immediately going to be repulsed by the fact that Absalom has gone and done this. So why would Ahithophel give him this advice? Well, it's a smart thing to do. You see, Ahithophel is worried. Absalom, this is your son. If you guys make up at any point... You're going to forgive him. What's going to happen to the person who betrayed you who's not your son? You're going to kill him, right? So Ahithophel is trying to make sure that there's no way that you would ever take Absalom back. And the point is, it's not that Ahithophel is devoted to Absalom and not to you. It's that selfish people are always selfish, no matter what situation you put them in. So no, Ahithophel is not devoted, he is not a good example of what Romans 12, 10 is talking about. Okay, third character, Ittai. Ittai is a Gittite. You can tell by looking at him, right? A Gittite is a Philistine, okay? Ittai comes to Jerusalem with 600 of his soldiers on the day before the revolt. He has no idea it's coming. You have no idea that it's coming. Itai shows up, and Jerusalem descends into chaos. You leave because Absalom wants to kill you. Ittai marches out with you, and you say to him, Look, you don't know me. (laughs) Go back with Absalom. That's where the smart money is. And this is how Itai responds to you, according to the scriptures. Itai replied to the king, as surely as the Lord lives and as my Lord the king lives, wherever my Lord the king may be, whether it means life or death, there your servant will be. Do you think Atai will be devoted to you? Yes. Yes, he will be. So, Atai, you go over here in the devoted category. So, stand right here. So, we'll. Atai, even though he's only shown up for one day, decides that you are the person that God has anointed to be king of Israel. And so he sides with you. Turns out he ends up being one of the three generals. That you have leading your forces, his 600 people join the battle against Absalom and his troops. So Atai is an example of someone who puts your interests above his own, who is devoted and loyal and faithful to you. All right, fourth character, Hushai. Hushai. Now, what we know about Hushai is that he is described as your confidant. He's a person that you have shared with some of your deepest personal struggles and secrets, and he sort of walked through life with you. We also know that when Absalom revolts against you, and you're leaving the city, your head is covered, and your feet are bare, which is a sign of mourning, Hushai comes out and walks with you, And he's torn his clothes and covered his head with ashes, a sign of sympathy and compassion. Do you think that Hushai will be devoted to you? Yes, Yes, indeed he is. Hushai, you may come over here and join a You send Hushai back into Jerusalem to spy for you. So even though we've put him on this side, he ends up back in Jerusalem And he's a very effective spy and God uses Hushai and his love for you to help defeat the rebellion. All right, the fifth and the sixth characters go together. So Ziba and Mephibosheth, come on out here. Mephibosheth, we'll start sort of with him. Mephibosheth is King Saul's grandson. So Saul was king before you. He was your enemy. This is his grandson. Now he's not only your enemy's grandson. He's also your best friend's son. So your enemy, Saul, had a son, Jonathan. This is Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. Now Mephibosheth is a special needs adult child. His feet were injured when he was a baby and he's a special needs child, but you have adopted him into your family for which he has expressed incredible gratitude. He recognized that he deserved death because he was the child of the enemy king, but you chose not to give him death, but you invited him to come be part of your table and to eat at your table like one of your children. Now, Ziba is the servant that you put in charge to help Mephibosheth. So this is his caretaker, and you've assigned Ziba the task to take care of Mephibosheth. When you are leaving the city, so you're fleeing, you've got all these people with you, uh, because Itai has come, and you have some people who have also gone with you. Ziba shows up with donkeys, and with food, and with supplies to give you on your trip out of Jerusalem. When you see that Ziba has done this, you thank him for it, and he chooses at that moment to say to you, to slander Mephibosheth, and to say, Mephibosheth has stayed in Jerusalem, because you ask, well where's Mephibosheth? He stayed in Jerusalem, because he sees this as his opportunity to become king of Israel. He's the old king's grandson. So Ziba says to you, he's betraying you, and he throws Mephibosheth under the bus. When you think that Ziba is helping you, you give to him all Mephibosheth's possessions, and Ziba seems inordinately glad to have gotten all the stuff that was once Mephibosheth's, it's now his. Okay, that's a tricky one. Do you think Mephibosheth is going to be devoted to you? Okay, we got some no's and we got some yeses. Turns out he is devoted. So Mephibosheth, come on over here. What about Ziba? No, Ziba is not devoted. Go on over here. Now, if you had asked David in the middle of this, it looks like Ziba is devoted to David, but it turns out he was slandering Mephibosheth and that Mephibosheth was not able to come and help you or visit with you on your leave because Ziba had kept him from being able to come. So one is not devoted to you, Ziba, The other, Mephibosheth, is devoted to you. Okay, last character. Come on up, front and center. This is Joab. Joab is the commander of your armies. Uh, He's been with you for a long time. And Joab has shown himself to be a vengeful avenger of anyone who crosses you. Joab is a tenacious fighter. And he has shown himself to take on anybody who dares to cross you, the king. Question, will Joab be devoted to you, or will he not be? Will he act selfishly? Tough one. Turns out, no, he is not devoted to you. Now, i got to explain this one. Joab stays on your side, he fights for you, but when you ask him directly before the battle with Absalom, be gentle with my son for my sake, Joab comes upon Absalom, hanging in a tree by his long, beautiful hair. And even though Joab is directly warned by another soldier who says to him, didn't King David tell us not to harm his son? Joab, in his anger, murders Absalom. So in that sense, he is not devoted to you. He has not acted in your best interests. He's not been selfless. He's been selfish. Okay, we've got four characters who were not devoted, four characters who act in their best interest, and three who were selfless, three who put your interests above their own. So let's try to figure out what's the difference, what causes someone to be in this category versus someone to be in this category. Well, if you just look from outward appearance, you've got Absalom, your son, Ahithophel, your advisor, Ziba, your servant, and Joab, the captain of your armies. That's one side. On the other side, you have a stranger, a Philistine. You've got your confidant, and you have your adopted son. So clearly nothing from sort of external appearance would give you the indication which side someone was going to be on. We've got a son on both sides, we've got a confidant, we've got an advisor, we've got people on both sides, and the one that you think probably would be against you, the Philistine, he actually turns out to be acting selflessly. So what is the distinction? What is the thing or the things that cause someone to be over here Versus someone to be over here. Well, what the story makes clear is it's the character traits. So in Absalom's case, he's characterized by selfish ambition and pride. This is He builds a monument to himself and names it after himself. And the point is, no one who has pride and selfish ambition will be able to put another's interests above their own because they're constantly thinking about how to advance themselves. Likewise, parents, if we see our children as monuments or showpieces to our parenting ability, if in our pride and selfish ambition we want our children to succeed for our sake, we will not be devoted to them. We will not act selflessly towards them. Instead, their sports achievements, their academic achievements, where they go to college, the things they do, we will run all of that through the grid of what makes us look successful. And the warning is, is that if we are harboring selfish ambition and pride in our heart, we will not treat our children selflessly. Instead, we will find some way to encourage them and urge them and to view them in light of what we get out of them. We won't want to release them and let them go. We won't want them to pursue the things that they want to pursue or might be in their best interest. We'll want to push them to make us look good. Ahithophel. The character trait that we know about Ahithophel is that he is very worldly wise. He's incredibly intelligent. The problem with intelligence is that intelligence tells you the smart thing to do is to act in your best interest. That's what the wisdom of the world is all about. And Ahithophel is loaded with it. Likewise for you and I. If in our workplace, we've consumed book after book about how to win friends and influence people, how to move from good to great, how to be successful in all the things that we do, we will not act selflessly towards others in the workplace. We will act selfishly. We will want to hitch our star to whoever is moving up the corporation. We will want to have people come work for us who are going to make us look good. We will not think about others in our workplace as to what's in their best interest. The wisdom of the world will teach us to think about what's in our best interest. And so in Ahithophel's case, the worldly wisdom causes him to think about himself first and not anybody else. Zeba's case... He's guilty of slander. He throws Mephibosheth under the bus and he exults in the fact that he takes this opportunity to make Mephibosheth look bad to David. Now you can't fool God. God causes the truth to come out in the end. But those of us who engage in slander will not be devoted to other people. Students, if you take the opportunity when one of your friends or one of the people that you interact with at school is going through a difficult time and you take that as an opportunity to slander them, as you t- if you take that as an opportunity to cut them down to other people or to your teachers or whoever that may be, there's no way that you will act selflessly you will not be devoted to them. Fourth, Joab. Joab appears loyal, but the problem is he's full of anger and bitterness. He sides with David, but he will not allow David to forgive Absalom for what he's done. And the problem is, for you and I, if we allow anger and bitterness To be in our hearts, we will not be selfless towards other people. For example, husbands, if you are bitter and angry about the way your wife's parents have treated her or the way her extended family has treated her, if you allow that anger and bitterness to dwell in your heart. You will do things like Joab that look like they're in your wife's best interest but actually cause her more pain. And that if you exclude her parents from your family, if you yell at her parents, if you have nothing to do with the extended family, it looks like you have worked in her best interest, but you haven't. The anger and the bitterness will end up causing her more problems. You've not done what's in her best interest, but what's in your own. It's impossible with anger and bitterness to put others above ourselves. We'll always swing the pendulum too far. As a side note, if you know someone in your life who has a lot of pride and selfish ambition or is married to worldly wisdom or is given to slander or is prone to anger or bitterness, please, those people will not be devoted to you. They will not act selflessly towards you. It doesn't matter if like in Joab's case, they seem to be siding with you. If you know people who are proud, worldly wise, slanderous, or bitter, they are not able to put your interests above their own. On the other hand, it's high. Ittai, from the quote that we have, even though he's a Philistine, he's a man who fears the Lord. Yes, it looks like Absalom is the one who's going to win, but Ittai knows God put you, David, into the position that you're in. When you have someone who fears the Lord, they're always going to put your interests above their own, they're always going to treat you selflessly because of their fear of the Lord. In Hushai's case, he's compassionate. He sees the suffering that you're going through and he sympathizes with you. When you and I allow ourselves to see other people the way they see themselves, when we allow ourselves to feel the pain that they're going through, when we try to walk in their shoes, we are going to end up being devoted to them. We're going to put their interests above our own. A compassionate and sympathetic heart leads to devoted selflessness. And then finally, Mephibosheth. How do we know that Mephibosheth is going to be devoted? Is because he's overwhelmed with gratitude. Mephibosheth gets the fact you should have killed him. Instead, you invited him in to be part of your family. And Mephibosheth, even before this event, says, who am I that you would pay any attention to me, a dog who deserves death? When you and I are grateful for how God has used other people in our lives, we're going to be devoted to them. We're going to put their interests above our own. So what's the difference? Oh, sorry. As a side note, I gave you one over here. If you have people in your life who fear the Lord and who are compassionate and who are grateful, spend as much time with them as you can because those are people who are going to be devoted to you. They're going to be selfless. They're going to put your interests above their own. What's the difference between whether someone is undevoted or devoted? It all flows out of the character in our hearts has nothing to do with whether they're your child or you have a good relationship with them or even they're fighting on your side. It has nothing to do with, it has everything to do with what's going on in the heart. It doesn't matter if it's a stranger. It doesn't matter if it's a special needs adult. It doesn't matter if it's a confidant. It doesn't matter. What's going on in the heart determines whether or not we are honoring one another above ourselves. Now there are four characters here and only three characters here. But that's because there's one more character that I haven't given you yet to decide. This character is the creator of the universe. He has sworn to you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He has promised you on oath that he will set you on a throne and that no weapon formed against you will prosper. He's the one who frustrates Ahithophel's advice. He's the one who fights for you. Do you think this person, Jesus, is going to be devoted to you or not? Yes. Clearly devoted. Yes. And the point of the matter is, because Jesus is fighting for you, you are now able to be devoted even to those who have treated you wrongly. This is what allows David to forgive Absalom and to weep for him in his death. Now Ahithophel, unfortunately, in all his wisdom, commits suicide before David has a chance to interact with him. Ziba Because God has been devoted to you, you are able to give Ziba a reward for the fact that he did help you when you were leaving the city. Even though he did it out of wrong motives, you're able to see through those and to bless him. And in Joab's case, you're able to forgive him for murdering your son and allow him to remain as the commander of your forces. Where did you get the ability to do that? Because Jesus has been devoted to you. You now are free to be devoted not only to them, all of them, and the point is this. Because God is giving all his time and energy and power and resources to bless you, You and I are free now to worry about blessing others. We don't have to try to make things happen for ourselves. The king of the universe is working on our behalf. We now are free to work on the behalf of others. And so the question for you this morning, as you look at all of the people who are up here, which character are you? Now, you can think about it in whatever relationship you want to think about. You want to think about it in your marriage relationship. You want to think about it in a parent-child relationship. You want to think about it with extended family, with friends, with the small group, with work. Pick a relationship and ask, which character am I? Are you Absalom, full of pride and selfish ambition, wanting things to go your way for yourself? Are you a Ahithophel? Clinging to worldly wisdom? Are you Zeba, given to slandering others? Are you Joab allowing bitterness and anger to stay in your heart? Are you atai, a person who fears the Lord? Are you Hushai, one who's given to compassion and to sympathy, who sees others in what they're truly going through? Are you Mephibosheth, overwhelmed with gratitude for what the Lord has done for you? Are you David, the recipient of God's amazing love, free to choose to serve others because Jesus is serving you. I want you to take a moment. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes and spend just a moment or two thinking through and asking the Spirit to show you which of these characters you and I are playing today.